going to jump ahead a little bit. I think a couple of weeks ago we were in Exodus chapter 20. We'll jump ahead to, to chapter 24. We may come back to those other chapters. We'll see. Now we have a little tickle. I don't know if it's the smoke or not. But if I have to drink now, then please forgive me. Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's here, he's among us, and he's within every single believer. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Last time we were together, we were with Moses and Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. God's presence is there in fire and smoke on the mountain, thunder and lightning, even our modern-day CGI movies and stuff just can't duplicate this. The mountain itself was trembling at the presence of God, and the people trembled along with the mountain. Then God declared his saving acts for Israel, bringing them out of slavery and out of Egypt through ten plagues and a mighty outstretched arm at the Red Sea. Then God said to Israel, this is Pastor Joe's slandered version, this is summarized, God said, I have chosen you, I love you, and I have saved you. Therefore, love me. Uh, we talked about how that to love God, that command means to value and honor. So God said, love me, value and honor me as your one and only God forever. That's the, the first chunk of the Ten Commandments. It's all about loving and honoring God forever. The second part of the Ten Commandments, God said, Therefore, also love, value, and honor what is most precious to me in all of my creation, your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then Moses wrote down for us three chapters of detailed laws that would help Israel better understand how to love your neighbor in daily life. We need some help with that, right? So Moses wrote down about three chapters worth of detailed stuff. Like I said, we may go back to that and dig into it. I think we probably will. But today I felt like the Lord wants us to return to Mount Sinai and the moments immediately following the Ten Commandments. So go with me to Exodus chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. And God said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, so Aaron be Moses' brother. He also is going to use the high priest. It says, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, those are the two oldest sons of Aaron. So they're, they're next in line of the high priest. And 70 of the elders of Israel. Now we don't know for sure why the 70. God doesn't give us detail on that. One thing that pops up is when uh, Joseph and his family, when the family came down to Egypt and decided to live there for a long, long time, the, the family of Jacob and the 12 sons and their families, it was 70 Israelites when they moved down to Egypt. So we don't know if it's kind of a connection to that for us. But God says, Moses, bring Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and say with me, and worship where? From afar. So they've had this really frightening experience at the foot of Mount Sinai. God says, don't cross this line. If you do, you got to stone people or even stone the animals if they cross the line because I am holy and this is a holy place. I'm coming down in my very presence on this mountain and you can't come in my holy presence without dying. 
So they, and then all the smoke and fire, thunder, lightning, this whole thing has been a frightening experience in a positive way into the holiness of God. Then God says, choose these, choose these leaders, come near, come close to the mountain, worship from afar. Now that kind of sounds like God wants us to keep a distance from him, doesn't it? This is for our good, for our benefit, amen, for Israel's benefit. God says, I'm a holy God, you aren't a holy people. Uh, we're going to work on this, but right now worship from afar. Verse 2, God says, Moses alone shall come near to the Lord. Moses is the primary intercessor. In some ways, he's a foreshadowing of Jesus. Can anybody, any human being, go to God on our behalf and open the way into God's holy presence? Only Jesus can do that. In this situation, Moses is a lot like that. God says, Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near. I would say in parentheses, yet. Say that word with me. Yet. yet. And the people shall not come up with him. Verse 3. <clears throat> Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses wrote down. Say that with me. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Now, if you go to college and you go off other places, you'll, you'll have scholars ripping on this right and left, saying language wasn't in use then. Moses could have done this. Uh, you watch the Exodus evidence movie that we saw two or three weeks ago. There is tons of evidence that Moses could and did write down what God told him to do here. There's even evidence that the alphabet, the very first alphabet on the planet, may have come from Joseph 400 years earlier. There's evidence, people. The, 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 the talking heads don't want you to trust this book. Don't want you to have to, don't, they don't want to have to stand before a holy God who made the whole place and whom we are beholding to. So they're not gonna tell you the evidence that's out there. There is powerful evidence that Moses was writing and language was in use. And there's also evidence that it goes back to Joseph. Pretty amazing. It's wonderful. If you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it, I'll give the district. So Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. And say with me, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes. So Moses makes an altar here. It's going to be for sacrifice. It's for worship. It's for focusing um, our time with the Lord, right? Uh, we, we have an altar. It came out of the, the field back here 40, 45 years ago. It helps us to focus our attention on this is a holy place. This is where we meet the Lord in communion like we're going to in a little bit. Um, so Moses built this altar and to represent the millions of Israelites, each tribe puts a pillar around the altar. So 12 pillars representing the tribes. Verse 5. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. So what's he doing with that? Uh, I wish we had a detailed theological treatise here telling us exactly what does this mean, because there are two or three different things it can mean. But he's taking the blood and sacrifice has to do, we know that innocent shed blood has to do with paying for sin. So he takes half the blood and throws it against the altar. Um, cleansing of the altar, 
uh, not so much. An acknowledgement that when we worship God, we can't come into God and give him proper worship unless there is cleansing of blood to bring us into his presence. Verse 7, they took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. Now, this is really important. And normally, I just skate right through this. We're going, no, wait a minute. How does faith come, people? Faith comes by hearing. So Moses takes the book of the covenant. That's probably the Ten Commandments and the three chapters just leading up to this. But he takes the book of the covenant and he reads it in the hearing of the people so they can hear, believe, and respond. And the people said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Verse 8, Moses took the blood, because half of it went on the altar, right? So how much is left? Yeah, half yeah. of the blood's in the basins. What are you going to do with that? Moses took the blood and threw it on the, say with me, on people. the people. And said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So these oxen, have they done anything wrong? No, they're innocent animals. We slit their throats, we catch the blood. Half we, we uh, throw on the altar. Half we throw on the people. We don't know exactly how they did this. It's possible that they sprinkled the 12 pillars. I think it's possible that they sprinkled the 70 elders. They represent the, all of Israel. You got a couple million people. I doubt that you had enough oxen slaughtered to, to cover everybody in the place with blood. But I'm thinking probably the blood was sprinkled on the 70 elders who represented the people. We have other places in scripture where they, they detail taking a hyssop branch, dipping it in the blood, and sprinkling it on the people. Okay, so we know that there are occasions where they did that. So I'm thinking here, probably sprinkled the 70 on behalf of all the people. What is this saying? This, this, is, this is big stuff. You can go, ew, right? In the physical, obviously. But this is demonstrating an amazing spiritual truth that all humanity needs to hear and know and receive. You must be covered in the blood of Jesus to have your sins paid for and washed away. There is no other blood. You can, you can kill innocent animals if you want to. It's a, it's a demonstration of the truth that you and I need perfect, innocent blood sacrifice on our behalf. And that's only Jesus. We need his blood covering our lives and applied to our very lives. That's what they're acting out here. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, say with me, Behold the, the blood, blood of, of the, the covenant, covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now, blood of the covenant is a huge thing. We're going to experience this in a moment. Let's go right to Matthew chapter 26. And I think this is why God first prompted me to, to jump to here for today, because it's communion day. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. This is the Last Supper, Thursday night, the night before Jesus died on the cross. Who's he hanging out with the last night at the Last Supper? The disciples, right? And they're having what we call, what kind of meal? The Lord's Supper. Okay? So chapter 26, verse 26. As now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, 
gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Say it with me, to will you? Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. Now, if you're a Jew, and all the disciples are not the Jews, you're a Jew sitting there, and you're doing the Passover meal, and Jesus takes this cup, and he changes the meaning of it. And he says, this drink of it, all of you, this cup, for this is my blood of the covenant. And for a good Jew, you're going, huh? blood of the covenant? We're talking Mount Sinai. We're talking the oxen that were sacrificed to, to consecrate that altar and where that blood was sprinkled on the people to seal the covenant. We are God's children. He's going to make an innocent, perfect sacrifice for us to cover us in his blood and make us his own. So the Jews, the, the disciples are sitting there going, whoa, literally mind blower in our modern day terminology, mind blower for them. Jesus says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out just like the oxen did that day, which is poured out for many, for what? What purpose? For the forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. So when we have communion here in a couple moments, People, this is this blesses me and it, it blows my mind and it draws my heart to God. But we're going to be connecting back about 4,500 years in the desert to Mount Sinai with the people of God, the people of Israel. Two thousand years ago, the disciples were taken back to Mount Sinai by by the words of Jesus. So God at Mount Sinai is already beginning to teach His people what he's going to accomplish for us in the blood of his son, Jesus, on the cross. And how we have to have the covenant is sealed. God acts in love. God sends Jesus to the cross. God always does this to save us. Here's our response. We hear the story. We say, I need that. I, I'm getting in line. Cover me with that blood of the covenant. I want to be sealed in the covenant of God's salvation plan. I want to be a child of God. I'm in line for the splashing of that blood. So Jesus says to the disciples that night, this cup is my blood of the covenant. My blood, not an oxen, not a sheep, not a goat. I'm going to shed my blood to make this covenant perfect once and for all for you. And then Jesus says, does Jesus say it's optional? You, you, you don't have to drink this blood tonight if you don't want to. What do you say, disciples? Drink of it, all of you. This is a must. You must have my blood sacrifice applied to your life. Otherwise, you can't come into the presence of a holy God. Must have. We're not used to that kind of language nowadays. We're so fuzzy and everything. Oh, you participated, Johnny. Here's a ribbon. Yeah, it isn't like that. The presence of a holy God is not like that. There's one way into his presence. It has to be covered by the blood of Jesus. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Go back to Exodus 24. So what does this accomplish when Moses sprinkles them with the blood of the oxen? He says, Behold, the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you. 
Go down to verse 9, chapter 24, verse 9. So the blood's been splashed on the altar. The blood's been splashed on the people. So God, if you will go chronologically, God's saying, when I have... When I have made you clean by the blood sacrifice, and you've received it, here's what happens. Verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel say with me, where they go? They went up. Why are they going up? God said, worship me from afar. Don't come any closer. You're in danger. Oh, but now the blood of the covenant's been applied to me. Now what can I do? I can come up closer to the presence of a holy God. Say Glory. Lord. Does God want us to stay far away? Does he want us out there in the weeds worshiping in fear with our knees knocking? He wants us to come near. He wants to come up. He wants to come into his presence. But we have to have the covering of the blood. So it says, Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Behu, and seven of the elders of Israel went up, and then say it with me, come on, verse 10, and they saw the God of Israel. Does God want to stay hidden from you all your life? Does he want to be a secret to you? He's like, I don't know anything about God. How, how can I know anything? God wants to be known, and he wants you to know him. So he doesn't just say, hey, come up closer. He lets them see his presence. Now we hear later that God showed his presence with cloud and with fire. We hear later in Numbers chapter 12, it says they saw the form of God. Uh, scripture is clear. If you see in this, in this condition with this meat sack, I don't want to, with, with this physical fleshly body and the sin that's here, yes, I've been cleansed. Yes, I've got Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit, all those things. But if I were to come face to face with the true Yahweh, I would perish. So they saw his form, but they saw the God of Israel. And look what happens in verse 10. There was under God's feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone. Sapphire is a beautiful blue, a lot like perfect sky blue. Like the very heaven for clearness. Now you go into Revelation, it describes the floor of heaven's throne room exactly in these terms. So I don't know what to do with this. But God came down the mountain. That is very clear. God, his presence came down the mountain. Apparently, God brought some of the heavenly throne room with him. Say, glory. Glory. What's up with that? He brought the floor with him anyway. I don't understand. I just stand in awe. But there, Moses is describing it. He said, so we, so we went up the mountain. We don't know how far. Not all the way up, because we hear later that's reserved for Moses. But they went up the mountain a ways. They saw God of Israel. And then they saw the throne room that he brought with them under his feet. It was like a famous sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And, and then, then he, verse 11, and God did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. What is Moses telling us? We thought we were going to die. We were thought we were going up as some kind of sacrifice. We knew God is holy. He taught us this whole thing. We thought we were going to our death. And Moses says, I'm shocked. I have to tell you, God didn't lay his hand on these guys. He let them live. God did not lay his hand on the chief of the people of Israel. Say this with me out loud now. They what? They beheld God and ate and drank. 
There's no mention of the food. Did they bring sack lunches? I don't know. Did they bring their own manna and their own quail? I don't know. Did God provide the meal? He loves doing that. Didn't Jesus love? Fed 5,000 one time, fed 4,000 another time. Maybe God provided the meal. I want to know these details. We got we got questions in heaven, amen? amen. The kids have questions in the air trip. I got questions. <laughs> Where did the food come from? It's a small thing, right? <laughs> what are you telling to people? This is why we have pot blessings all the time. Table fellowship is a kingdom thing. It's on the heart of God. What did Jesus want to do his last night on the planet before he died on the cross? He wanted to have a meal with his best friends. He wanted to sit down to supper fellowship. So what does God do when he so shockingly, surprisingly, brings these elders up the mountain a ways to come into his holy presence closer to see his form, to be shocked that they didn't die in the process? God says, hey, kick back a little bit. Let's, let's have a meal together. Let's do this fellowship a little bit. And I'll let you see the floor of my throne. Pretty cool. I mean, so what does Jesus do the night before he dies? He creates a meal for us. What's, what's Jesus going to do today? He wants to sit down with you and me and, and have a supper. He wants to join our our blessing lunch today. He wants us to come up into his holy presence and be near to him. Now, the shocking thing of all is that Moses is the only one who gets to go up into the very cloud, glory presence of God. The shocking thing is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross makes it possible for you and I to go up into that very near presence of God. This whole thing is about training us up, teaching us that this is God's heart and desire. He provides the whole thing. He provides sacrifice. He provides the knowledge. And he captures hearts to draw us to him. So this morning, maybe you're feeling the weight of your sin. Maybe you're maybe you're not kind of wondering, should I even be up there? I'm 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 pretty messed up. You're talking about the super holy God. The more I think about him, the more I'm trembling, going, I am so not holy, I'm a mess. Should I even go up there? When the elders had the blood of God, the blood of the sacrifice applied to them, God commanded them to come up closer to his presence. If you're trembling in sin, come to the cross. Ask for the blood of Jesus to be applied to you afresh right now. Confess your sin, yes. Repent of it, yes. But this is where the Lord wants you to be. He wants you to come closer to his presence. Sit down and have a meal with him. This meal is the body and blood of Christ. Sacrifice for you. So that you can be made clean, made holy, and come up into his holy presence. I kind of wish we had four or five steps up here so you could physically come up. But we're coming up into his presence. Because he loves you. He provided for you. The blood sacrifice is available today. If you need to be sprinkled, just ask. If you need to be covered, 
You've never been covered. You've never given your whole life to Christ. Now is the moment. Say, Jesus, cover me. Whole thing, my whole life. Wash me clean. Save me now. I want to come up into your presence and one day see you face to face. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're amazing. Come now, whatever, whatever each one of us needs in this moment. Do we need conviction? Do we need repentance? Do we need love and the knowledge of forgiveness? Do we need encouragement to come up here? Holy Spirit, come and minister. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did and how you offered again to us this morning. Father, we bless you. Thanks for 4,500 years ago, already making the plan really clean, clear, and plain to us. Get covered in my blood sacrifice, and you can come up. Thank you, Jesus, for all you provided for us. We're going to come up into your presence now because you love us. Father, in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.